What's up, you guys? I am Micah Folsom, and you're listening to the Do Your Crap Podcast. I was overwhelmed, uninspired, and unfulfilled, and I knew there had to be a different way to do life. Turns out, there totally is. And I found my calling in helping people learn and do the unsexy habits that build a legendary life. Each and every week, I'm going to help you bust through the crap that's holding you back and break down the simple habits and mindset shifts that will help you rock every aspect of your life. Are you ready to do the things that most people won't so that you can live the life that most people can't? Here we go. Welcome back to the Do Your Crap Podcast. This is your host, Micah Folsom, and we have an awesome guest with us today. His name is Adrian Kohler, and he is a leadership engagement expert and senior partner at the executive coaching firm, Take New Ground. He coaches executives and entrepreneurs in the art and science of leadership for themselves, their teams, and clients to create new unprecedented results and experience fulfillment in their work. He is the founder and senior partner at Take New Ground, a leadership coaching, training, and consulting firm based in L.A., He has done incredible things with his firm, with his experience. He has so much wisdom. And I know if you're on this podcast, you are a leader. You're either working on leading yourself, your family, your business, your team. You are a leader. And this is going to be so, so, so helpful for every single one of you. So I'm going to turn it over to the conversation. Let him tell you a little bit more about his experience, about his story, and just get ready because this is going to be such a good one. All right, Adrian, welcome to the show. We're super pumped to have you. I know it's going to be fire. Um, so before we dig in, first of all, I totally botched your last name in the intro. <laughs> so, You're Adrian not the first one Taylor, even today. You guys. <laughs> well, I was I, like, I was joking. Shit. Like, well, you can totally read. So it's like no big deal. And you're not, I don't, you, you don't speak German, do you? Oh, no, I wish though. So. Well, I don't either, by the way. But you know, when the, when the Kulas came over on the boat to Ellis Island, for some reason, the guy was like, Kaler, he's like, yay, or whatever they would say in German. Um, so anyway, they, we, we decided long ago it was Kaler instead of Kohler or Kuller. So anyway, right. here we are. All right. Here I'm we are. not the first, I guess. I'm not the first. <laughs> no, no. And you well, won't be the, the last. <laughs> right? No big deal. Well, we're super stoked. I mean, leadership is one of the things that I'm most passionate about. I feel like, Mm -hmm. um, just everything in business and growth in life, whether, whether you're a business owner or not, you're leading yourself, you're leading your family, you're leading. If you can't lead what, like, I just feel like that's such a cap on our potential. So first, before we dig into the meat of it, tell us more about your story. How did you get into this work? All the good stuff. Well, uh, I'll try to tell the short version of it. Um, and everybody that's listening, hello, I'm Adrian. Um, it's good to meet you all. Uh, let's see, how do I get into this? I've been in this work, this specific type of work for about 12 years now, which is um, coaching. Entre- now I coach mostly company founders, entrepreneurs, all fast moving, some corporate execs, but I don't like corporate people for the most part. They don't like me either. Um, I don't um, sympathize with prisoners. Uh, I just, you know, it's like, come come on, let's go. Are you going to do something? Are you going to leave? You know, it's kind of the, those are the two options, either make this thing work or go. And most of them don't want to go for some obvious reasons and nor do they want to push up. And so I just get it. They don't like me. So that, which is fine. Um, But anyway, so it's, it's, I spend most of my time coaching 
one-on-one. I do have a firm uh, called Take New Ground that I've got a, a founding partner with. He was a mentor of mine. We do work with fast-moving teams as well. So picture a, a company offsite with 10 or 12 people. And it's, you know, we are, I always want to warn people before they start working with us. We're not kind of the trust fall. If we all just like each other, the world gets better thing. We're not that, um, you know, hugs and kisses. Uh, although that's important. We're not like, here's the five steps to go make your team better either because formulas don't work for anybody. They sound great. They sound satisfying, but it's like dessert. You eat, you know, it's going to cause problems for you. So we're right in the middle where we are, we're hyper results driven um, and hyper interpersonally focused because all results come out of the interpersonal dynamic period. We say that's gravity that however the team relates to itself will be the future of the team. You get five smart people together that hate each other, no smart things are going to happen over the yeah. long haul, maybe in the short term, but not over the long haul. It's not going to last. Uh, communication will be stifled. E egos will be high. Uh, hiding, you know, politicking, siloing, all the stuff that are symptoms of what's not happening on the team from a trust perspective, communication perspective. So Anyway, so we come in, we're really no nonsense and we're unapologetic about that. We're here to get something done and we love people deeply. So our work is about fierce advocacy. That's what I tell everybody and warn them. I'm not like the pat on the back and I'm not some kind of just do this and it'll work. Um, it's you, man, or gal, you're the product. How you think about things is your future, period. That's gravity. So uh, that's, how, that's what I've been doing. Take New Ground is our firm. Um, and we do corporate work and we do public trainings called the Revenant Process. We do a whole bunch of really fun stuff. I just got out of a weekend called the Intrepid, which was 12 leaders, 12 industry leaders together. It's a second of three weekends. It's the Academy for Effective Leadership. So we, we go super deep um, and it's amazing. Lots of tears, lots of breakthroughs for people. And uh, anyway, we have five, actually five leaders from one of our clients in this training. So it's really fun. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. How did I get to this? I've always been into helping people in crisis out of college. I was a young kid out of Southern Illinois, small town, 8,000 people. Parents are both school teachers. My dad was a football coach. So picture I grew up in the episode of Friday Night Lights. Oh. Yeah, quarterback, <laughs> Dayton the Hot Cheerleader, the whole thing. Um, it was awesome. It. Um, went on to play football in college. Didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. That way I didn't have a great conversation about that, nor a lot of exposure really to all the opportunities out there. So it was like a pre-med guy decided to become halfway through. I was like, I don't want to go be a doctor. I really don't want to do that run. So my roommate happened to be a nurse, long story short, left college with a nursing degree, 
and moved to Chicago and worked in pediatrics intensive care. So out as a young buck helping families cope with the worst case scenario and helping moms get what they need so they could be present, helping dads get what they need so they could be present, helping the kid be the focus instead of the family drama be the focus and helping doctors really give a shit and communicate in a way that works for families and helping nurses, you know, stay empathetic over the long haul and having all those spiritual conversations as well. And anyway, that was my jam and I loved it. And I actually come from a faith background, moved out to LA, was a part of a a church called Mosaic and helped build this thing. We were at about 3000 people. And I was the, the next move in my life was to be a community activist. So I would mobilize volunteers into the, into the city, built a network of nonprofits called serve LA. And so we had about 2000 volunteers that would serve on a regular basis and would take teams overseas and multiple countries, companies and our countries in Africa. And when, you know, when Katrina hits, we're on the road. When, when, when Haiti hits, we're on the road. When Pakistan's underwater, it's me and a doctor going and doing medical clinics over there. So I loved it. I love the urgency of it. I love the service aspect of it. I love going where people don't want to go. I love, you know, there's something about chaos that calls me into it. So I loved that. I did that for a good while. Um, then I ran, um, we're almost done, I promise, a guy um, uh, that I was a friend to and kind of a mentor to when I, when I was a pastor guy. Um, his father's a billionaire, so he was a millionaire the day he was born. And after all of his kind of revitalization or you know spiritual growth whatever you want to call it he got a, he wanted to start giving money away he never thought about that before and he wanted to do it well and i was a guy that was pretty well networked in the if you want to make a difference in the world i know a bunch of people so he asked me to help him figure that out so long story very short after traveling the world ended up doing work in the prison system in california and um we just followed some nuns into prison catholics do a bunch of cool stuff restorative justice they call it and we did that until I met this guy, Dan Tacchini, who had been doing management consultant work and coaching work. His first ever coaching company was called The Coaching Company back in 1981 or something. So he's been around. He's an OG. And I loved what he did. And he did this personal leadership work called The Revenant Process. And a buddy of mine went to that and had a huge transformation in his own life. And I met him and I and on the side, he'd been doing work in prison. So anyway, I hired him immediately to come in and do work in prison. So and he, we would run these three-day leadership trainings in prison with lifers, so murderers, rapists, guys that had really uh, done some damage based on how they viewed the world and based on what, what they thought was possible and based on pressures around them and, and just based on their own really poor choices. So I cut my teeth as a coach coaching murderers in prison. And then after a couple of years, after getting that all set up, I realized okay, I'm ready to hand this thing off. What do I do now? I could easily go be a nurse guy, but that wasn't interesting to me. I could easily go be a pastor guy, but that wasn't interesting to me. Um, go do philanthropy, but that, you know, you're really too administrative for a guy like me. I like being in the trenches and getting stuff done and being very action oriented and such. And so, you know, I just decided, been, I'd been through a coach's academy, um, the one I just trained and um, I loved it and it really fit. So I could be my full self, which is like a champion of people, um, a challenger of people and really believing in people and, and helping people have the conversations they're dying to have. Um, so anyway, that's my shortest version of that story, I think, about my road to get here. But I we love, love the work. It. Love it. So many different things we could unpack. I want to dig into first, how did you, like we're going to dig into leadership and kind of unpack this stuff. Yeah. And one of the things that you're passionate about is fearless leadership. So we're going to go right. into like what that looks like and what that even is. How, like you've kind of just had it 
in you, like within, from within, like you're living outwardly what you feel within, which I think is really powerful. What do you think has been the thing? And there's not ever going to be one thing, but in life that has taught you and equipped you to have your own confidence, to lead your own life, to be just willing to take the risks and to do the thing and to that lots of people aren't really willing to do. Yeah. It's a good question. And I don't know, I don't know if I, I mean, it's, it's, it's worth considering for sure. It was like in me, I'm, I'm, I know part of it was, and, and whatever that means, it was in me for sure. When I was young, there was modeling around me that I picked mm-hmm. up, right? My parents, yeah. I mentioned them briefly. They're both public school teachers for 35 years. My mom was a leader and wherever she was at, she was leading my dad. You know, he's like the George Bailey of my hometown. I don't know if people get that reference, but he's like the most beloved community driven dude, you know, he's on the city council, you know, he, he whenever he runs for city council, nobody else gets any votes because, oh, <laughs> coach, coach Kaler, coach Kaler, he's the guy, you know, so anyway, I definitely saw what giving a shit looked like. Mm-hmm. I saw what investment in the community looked like. I saw what hard work looked like. So that was in me for sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't think it's not a, it's not a, it's not a one-to-one, like if you see it, you become it, but I definitely wanted to become it. And um, you know, I, I joke that, but it's really true that I, be, I decided to lead because I didn't know what else to do. Meaning, you know, and there, there was some anxiety for me, even as a kid about leaderless moments, I would call them now. I didn't have that language for it then, but it's like, what are we doing here? Like I'm in this group and what, what's happening? Who's in charge? What, shouldn't we be doing something? I mean, yeah. you know, what are we, you know, how good could this be? Like, are this, you know, I was always like troubled with what ought to be happening or what could be happening. And I think that's the precursor to leadership. It's one of the precursing conditions to what then could become leadership. And I'll be surgical with my language. I hope I'm not too annoying. But like some people see that and then bail out of things. I saw that and stepped into things. Yeah. I think that's so, true. and I liked yeah. it. I felt more comfortable if, I, not if I was in charge, but if I was involved. Yeah. And if you're involved and you're people focused and if you're involved and can, can and learn how to communicate, if you're involved and have a vision, people usually are looking for those things. They're looking for a version of reality that they want to step into. And that's what leaders do is they create a, a vision for the future that people want to be a part of. So early, okay. for sure, early, I started doing that early. That worked for me. And so it became definitely became, you know, a, a lifestyle for me. But it wasn't like I was comfortable or it wasn't like I even liked it. I just, it, it helped. It really was service to me if I felt like I was involved so that I could actually, I wasn't just receiving what life gave me. I could help mold what life became. Which I hope our listeners just heard because that is so powerful because I think a lot of people take life as it comes and then they're yeah. pissed off about their reality and they're right like, Ugh. but really when you really take ownership complete ownership, responsibility yep. of the good responsibility of the bad, right on learn to really start to take control. Like you said, right and there's on. so much that we can control that right now we're not right on a lot of people. So yeah. I love that. When you mentioned, that's why I wanted to start talking more about what I call fearless leadership. It's a little bit of a joke only because I don't think it's possible. Right. It's anybody that's leading knows what fear sounds like what it feels like what in, and we could call it lots of things insecurity um the what do they call it the imposter syndrome these mm-hmm. days people have really hooked into that one because oh, yeah. it really kind of explains what people are what people are experiencing most people just 
wear it like it's a like oh look what i have uh instead of how do i walk through it mm -hmm. um but you know so when we started the youtube channel which we just got a few things out now but it really came out of a, an episode in our podcast called the naked leadership podcast that i and my business partners have that's worth listening episode 121 that's where we're really starting exploring maybe we got to like really focus in on this conversation because this is usually the, this dynamic is usually where vitality or death happen. Like where, where, where does like life and death happen in life? And that's maybe extreme language, but I mean, like where does like, it, where do I feel like the future is great? Where do I feel like I'm enough? Where do I feel like I'm just started growing? Where do I feel like people are my friends and comrades instead of their enemies and in my way? Where do I, how do I relate to the tension in life so that I move forward in effective ways and it's meaningful to me how do i do that well i need to walk through fear because anytime you're venturing at all you're inviting fear to come you know because if you're doing something you've not done before of course you'll be scared of course because you've not done this before and you're at stake right like i love all your communication around around ownership and taking responsibility yes if i stand in a possibility with responsibility, I will be scared. And it's rightfully so. And usually fear is like that kind of first couple layers. It's not really what matters. It's the concerns. If you're, a if you're leading something, there are definite concerns you ought to have about the future and problems that might come up and issues that might surface themselves and people that might turn sideways and your own demons that come out or your own lesser self, whatever you want to call it. Um, those are concerns, but they show themselves as fear. Mm -hmm. right? Like, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do it. Maybe I'm not the right guy. Maybe, but maybe, maybe this, and you kind of back down and kind of try to satisfy yourself with mediocrity. Yeah. But instead of leaning in and saying, okay, the fear is here and telling me something, I ought to listen to it because underneath the fear is the concern that it probably would make me wise. If I were to orient myself to that and listen to it and plan for it, then I could be, you know, be wise, act wise. So you know, everybody I coach on a, on a daily basis, they're all fully leveraged, meaning like they're going after something, their names on it, people know, their network knows, some of them are very public um, and, and, you know, running teams of anywhere from, I don't know, the smallest teams, probably 10, the largest teams, 2000 maybe. Um, anyway, they're fully leveraged. So we better have the right relationship to fear. And if you have a right relationship to fear, it actually becomes your friend, becomes your ally instead of your enemy. So tell us more about that, because I can promise you that there's listeners that are going, okay, okay, I get it. Like I get the fear. That's what I'm doing. That's, but they're the one they're coming up against that and then backing off instead of being able to view it as their friend, view it as wisdom, view it, view it as learning opportunity, view it as, you know, like, so how would you kind of teach someone to, to shift their perspective around fear and to use it to fuel their life rather than let it control and keep them small? Yeah. Well, for me, um, what, so let's see if I can say this well. <laughs> um, fear is a worthy conversation to listen to. And, you know, it's first off, it's all very human, right? So if you've going through fear, first off, you're not, you stop being so special about it. Everybody is number yeah. one, number one, any of your struggles aren't just yours. They've been around since the beginning of time. We can track that any ancient literature, 
everybody was scared to death. Everybody made foolish decisions based on those fears and concerns. So welcome to the ball game of being a human, number one. And, and for that reason, you know, um, the human brain is wired for a couple, couple main priorities of the human brain. Number one is to survive. Number two is to save energy so that I could survive later if I need to. And a lot of saving energy um, isn't like, when should I take a nap? It's more like looking good, feeling good, being right, being in control. Like those forms of self-preservation, which are all code words for survival. Look good, feel good, be right, be in control. So a lot of our fears are actually are following those interests. Yeah. And those are worthy interests to listen to. First off, they're not going anywhere. It's just good to know if looking good is your main priority, feeling a certain way. You know, a lot of people don't like to feel tired, don't like to feel overwhelmed, you know? And I, I mean, nobody really does, but the, um, if you're going after something, part of it, part of it being baked in is, um, that you're going to feel those things. So if you're going after something, you're going to be tired. You're going to be overwhelmed at times, right? So that's a part of the um, part of what's naturally going to happen. So the human brain wants to do those two things. And um, let's see what's so after that, first off, just kind of own that. That's just what's going to be happening. Number two, I would say is if you don't have a commitment that's more important than your survival, then you're going to use fear to step out of your, to, to settle for a life that you don't really want. I'll say that again, because it's a little bit clunky. But if you don't have a commitment to a future that you want, that's more important than your own immediate survival. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if, I, if I'm going to climb a mountain, and I see it's going to be really hard, I'm going to climb a mountain, I better want what's on the other side of that mountain. I mean, you might be masochistic and just love the struggle which I can be like that sometimes. A lot of people are like that sometimes. A lot of most of my clients love a, love a nice challenge. But if you don't want what's over the mountain, you're not going to be willing to climb the mountain. And so fear is like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do it. Maybe I don't have what it takes. But if I actually know the future that I want and I'm committed to and it's worth the struggle, that's why I think this is, I think it's shifted public conversation now, but everybody used to use the word passion all the time. And it was a synonym for excited. Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm passionate. I'm passionate about this, which was code. Then I'm thinking about early to early aughts, early 2000s that, oh, I'm passionate about it, which meant exciting. That's not what passion means. It's what what's worth suffering for. That's what the word passion is, like what's worth suffering for, like the passion of the Christ is where we get it from. Passion, pathos, what's worth suffering for. So if they don't have a vision that they're really clear about what's worth suffering for, of course, they're going to succumb to fear. But I'm scared all all the time. I just what I want for the future and my family and my community and my legacy that matters more than self preservation. Because nothing's going to really kill me, I might look like a fool, but nothing's going to really kill me. And if I'm willing to die that death of looking like a fool a 1000 times, then I'm unstoppable. So usually what people don't have is a clear vision for the future, and then one that they're committed to. I, when I'm being committed, I don't mean like it would be convenient if this thing got done. I mean, like, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I don't care what the circumstances are. Like, bring it on. Circumstances are going to come against me. Things are going to go south. I'm going to make mistakes. People are going to make mistakes. Market's going to change, whatever. I'm not stopping. Like, I, commitment comes from a Latin word 
to send with, like I'm sending, I go with my word. That's what commitment actually means. So I give my word, here's what I'm going to do. And I go with it. I am willing to be regenerated a thousand times in order to make this thing happen. So it's, it's kind of, it's maybe philosophical, the first, at least the first version of the answer, we can chop it down too if you want to, but that's really what's usually missing for people. They have a goal, but they don't have a commitment. I think that's everything. I think, yeah. I think a lot of people are willing to talk about things they want, but they're not willing to back those words up with action. Right. And I think that's like, and I don't know if it's this generation we're in where like we crave easy we crave right like safe we crave stability we crave all of these things that like i feel like i don't know are not serving us at all yeah because well i would just say i mean they do serve us right they serve our self-protection yeah yeah they they serve yeah and, and I don't want to, I, I just want, I think there's reasons why we do everything. Like I, we always say, nobody makes a stupid decision. Everybody makes the best decision they see in the moment. So if I'm really committed to pleasure or convenience, which is what you're talking about, yeah. like I want safe, I want predictable, I want it to work out easy. I don't want to put in the extra hours. That's just a, that is a commitment. I'm just committed to my own convenience. Yeah. And there's a future that comes with that. We know what that feels like. It's just a feature that's called fine. Like it, fine. Okay. Like Kierkegaard's got this very annoying quote. Kierkegaard, the old philosopher dude, he says, men find a level of people, find a level of despair that's tolerable and call that happiness. Hmm. And when I first heard that, I thought, oh, wow, that's my life. I heard it, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago when I first got into this work. It's like men find a level of despair that's tolerable and call that happiness. So it's just kind of in modern day, I think we just, we just get okay with fine. Yeah. It's just fine. I'm doing the best I can, whatever. One of my, one of my mentors has shared, and I can't remember the exact verbiage, but the fear of change, even if change is good and Mm -hmm. what we want is scarier than staying the same and unhappy and like what, you know, what's comfortable, what's. And I think that is probably why so many people let fear dictate their decisions rather than getting so clear. I love what you said. I'm so, I'm with you. Like I'm super obsessed with vision and knowing what you want and following the heart tugs and just being so aligned in your actions with those things. But I do think that's the roadblock for most people is they think they want something, but it's really not at the level that it takes to commit to what it's going to take right. to bring it to life. Right on. And it's like magic happens when you draw the line in the sand and you actually commit to creating whatever it is that you want. We are taking a TV time out to give you a free goodie today. If you are in network marketing, if you're building a team, if you are mentoring people and need to onboard them to be successful, I am giving you my free team checklist. This is what I use personally to onboard my new coaches to help simplify the process. And it is duplicatable team wide. So if you're feeling overwhelmed with recruiting, if you don't feel confident bringing in your new team members and helping them be successful, this is any organization, any network, you can tweak this and customize it 
but it's a really solid framework so that you can have confidence recruiting and building the empire that you want to build. Go to micafolsomfit.com slash team checklist to grab this freebie. That's right. Yeah. Most people don't count the cost. Yeah. You know, they want the outcomes without the discipline mm -hmm. that's needed and the sacrifice that's needed. And we've all done this. I've done that at times. Oh, I'm like, I want, else. yeah, there's a long list of projects in my head that won't ever get done. I've been talking, thinking about them for years and it's not going to happen. Why? Because I'm not willing to pay the price for it and no big deal. It's just, it just doesn't, it's not what's most important to me. It sounds yeah. nice. It's just not what's most important to me. Yep. And that's okay, but I had to own that instead of blaming circumstances, which most people do. They say, I didn't because, and whatever the because is, is the circumstance. It's the convenient reason that justifies why it didn't instead of, and, and, and because they don't want to just stand in their choice, that I didn't actually want to do it. You know why? Current reality tells me the truth. I don't. You know, reality is the truth teller. We aren't. We've got our own stories and, you know like whatever this guy Xander says, humans view of themselves fluctuates between flattery and pure fantasy. And we just have a good view of ourselves. And we definitely want to think well of ourselves instead of like hugging the, we call it hugging the cactus, looking at the dark side, mm. the conversation I don't want to have, the thing about me that I'm scared is true and I want to cover up, make sure you don't know it. Like we all have those things or Adler called those life lies, like those things about like that I'm a fraud or that I'm I've, I've my favorite for me is that I'm dumb. I'm not smart enough to do this work. I don't I can't believe I'm getting by blah, 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 or that I'm too intense. I got that for a lot of series of, in my life when I was a youngster. It's like, Adrian, you're too philosophical. Why, why is everything so deep for you? And I don't know. I just think about things that way. And and so I can use that lie to justify not being all in or i can just be intense it's okay the world needs intense people yeah. we also need like butterflies that's great be a butterfly awesome you be that i'll be me and we'll do I our things it. yeah i love it what i mean when it comes to leading people yeah. so we talked a lot about leading yourself stepping through fear like really owning what you want and going after it Yes. When it comes to leading people, how do you build your confidence around that? Because I think a lot of people love the idea of leading people, but they wait to feel qualified. They wait to hit a certain rank. They wait to hit a certain income mark. They wait to like have some backup, some like, yeah, you know, until they feel qualified to do it. But really like, what does leadership even mean on like a kind of a base spectrum yeah well there's a handful of questions in there so the the first one it's 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 great it's great um the first question is like how do you feel more confident how do people get more confident so they lead other people i yeah. i think i mean that's a you can go do that if you want i just think it's not there's not the highest roi of that meaning you know, confidence is usually very historically based, right? Because I have in the past, therefore I can now. Yeah. And so it's, it can be a really long wait. And by the way, people with really great pedigrees and histories are horrible leaders. I talk to them on a daily basis, right? They're really smart, really competent, but leading others is a mystery to them. So anyway, we set this thing up. Like if I was more confident than I could, Reality is stop going after confidence because it's a, it's a vapor. I mean, I'm pretty good at what I do. 
I charge more than most coaches on the planet. I talk with, I mean, all my clients are 10 times smarter than I am. So anyway, let's say I'm competent. Let's just, for the sake of conversation, I'm competent. I'm still scared to death every time I walk in a room. Why is that? I don't know. I'm a human being. I'm leveraged. I might look like a fool. I, you know, I might just, I might, you know, for me, if I'm talking too much, then I'm failing. So I need to listen more, you know, anyway, there's lots of, so anyway, I don't go after confidence. It's become a very popular conversation, but it's like an, it's an emotional state. And for me, emotional states are quite elusive. It's like, I want to be happy. Well, I don't know. Once you finally get happy, then, then what do you have to do? You have to tell everybody to not do anything else. Like life can't happen because I have to stay happy. Right. So anyway, I don't go after confidence. I go after courage because that's available every single second of the day. I love it. So then what is, what is courage? It's with heart. That's what the word means. It's with self, right? Like I'm actually going to throw myself into this because you don't have to have any pedigree I mean, to lead well in a moment. Now, how do you lead well? That was part of your question as well. Well, there's three components to it. Leadership. Uh, this is, we just got out of this intrepid, our leadership training. And we talk about these three buckets. One is generating results. So leaders create the future, period. And so you better be clear on what the future is that you're, that you're committed to. And in a, in a very specific way, not like a, let's go, you know, let's go build a great company. That means nothing. What do you want to do? What do you want to create? What, how do you want to serve customers? If you're successful, what's that look like? Get it very quantifiable. Um, so that's bucket one. Bucket two is empower other people to do what they do well. Get specialists in there that know what they're doing and generate the whole culture of conversation. So people are a lot, have aligned their personal interest, and we all have personal interests. Most leaders are so scared, they stop asking that question. And like, hold on, why, why does Cindy, why does she work for me? Why is she here? You know, like, what, what's up for her? Like, how is this meaningful for her? And what are those personal interests? Because people are always going to follow those, period. Yeah. You can act like they don't have them to your own peril. So listen, figure out for every person around you what their personal interests are. Why are they here? Number one, and then a leader aligns personal interests to corporate outcomes. How does, if Cindy wants to become more articulate, wants to become more courageous, wants to become, oh great, how does she get what she wants in this domain on my team? How do I help her get that here? And then how do we all win because she's doing it? Um, so the second bucket is leading other people. And that's a, one, of the, one, of the major principles, one of the major principles. It's not telling people what to do, it's creating the environment in which they get to do what they want to do. And if you have the right people, those things are aligned. If you don't have the right people, they won't be doing that. And you ought to let go of them and get new people. Yeah. So, but that third bucket, which we've talked most of this conversation about, which is self-mastery, like great leaders are into mastering their own conversation about life and bring themselves to the table on a regular basis. Like are they're evolving on purpose and they, you do that as an example to the team. And if you do that, well, other people are going to play ball. Like you do, if you like, so therefore you feel like practice ownership, if you practice humility, you practice clarity you practice inquiry, you're asking a bunch of questions, you're curious about other people, um, then you, you're on a path to mastering yourself and something new can happen. I love that. So, love yeah, that. that's, those are like the simple things. Like, you know, so anybody can walk into any meeting and it's what they're thinking and what they're predicting about the meeting that will end up becoming the meeting. So they got to get clear on what's the purpose of this? What are we doing? What are we here for? What am I here for? What am I inviting them into? And do they want to do it? And can I listen long enough instead of just nervous people usually talk 
Mm-hmm. But it's good to like listen and connect and and then generate the types of relationships that are, you know, that are reciprocal. I love it. I want to unpack this a little bit for our listeners because we have a huge listener base of entrepreneurs, specifically yep. lots of network marketers who are leading mm-hmm. teams, who are leading people, who are, I mean, the most successful network marketers know how to lead people, help them evolve, help them like empower them yeah. to be their best. Yep. And I think you said a couple things that are really powerful. Number one, generating results. Like when you know that you have what it takes to mentor someone to get the results that they want, not the results right that on. you want, the results right. that they want. Right. One, you you can build confidence in that. Be confident right. in knowing that you have what it takes to do that within right. your opportunity, right? The yep. second thing that I want them to want to make sure that they heard was aligning their personal interests to the company goals. Because I think a lot of people stand in their own way when it comes to leading people, because they're like, well, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And whenever I've seen someone feel pushy, it's because they're trying to push someone to do what is best for them, not as what's best for the person. Right. So it's like, as soon as you can uncover the goals of your teammates, the people that you're mentoring, as soon as you know what they want, it's your job to then help them align what they want to whatever that looks like within the business, whatever that looks like is going to bring it to life. And you help them accomplish that. You are not pushing them. You are leading them. You're guiding them. You're helping them step into what they need to be doing, the actions they need to take, aligning their behaviors, their mindset, all of those things. And it takes that completely takes off that pushy limiting belief that lots of people run into because you're giving them exactly what they're asking for. And let's be honest. Most people aren't willing to do what it takes by themselves. Right And I think that's where like the mentor comes in. The leader comes in is you're willing to challenge people. You're willing to not push them, but help them expand. You're willing to help them elevate like those to me in my nine years of mentoring people, very normal human beings to become Mm -hmm. very successful in business, which translates into motherhood and wife life and everything else. And that's why it's so fulfilling. You're helping people elevate in every single way. And it's going to take growth. It's going to take stretching. It's going to take doing uncomfortable things. And lots of people love being comfy. They love being comfy. So we need to, you know, we need to really help empower them to want what they want, just like Adrian talked about, when they're so clear on what they want, they're going to be way more willing to step through those fears that could keep them stuck, to step through those things that are keeping them safe, to step through all of the limiting beliefs that are keeping a lot of your people stuck right now, because they just aren't clear yet on what they truly want, even more than those fears. Yeah. And they might've given up on wanting something new. I mean, people, I mean, it makes sense to want comfort if I don't think anything new is going to happen. You know, I mean, hedonism makes sense if nothing, you know, meaning the pursuit of pleasure makes sense if, if nothing is worth suspending pleasure for. Yeah. And, you know, but it's, it's pleasurable. It's meaningful. I mean, just talk about it in my own business. Like, you know, I, I haven't had a day off in a while. You know, I worked all weekend, right? I did this thing and I'm feeling tired today. Well, it was worth it for me because I got to see so many breakthroughs. I mean, I'm like in tears with what happened in the lives of the people in our academy and that's worth it, right? So it's worth the spend, 
of my own time and energy and all that. It's worth the vulnerability that I felt all weekend long because they're coming to be, to, to I'm, I'm one of the guys in the room that's there to like teach and help and guide. Right. And that's, I, you know, sitting on the couch watching football is a lot easier than that. For sure. And, but it's worth it. It's worth yeah. the spend. And, you know, to your point, yes, there is tension because you're having a conversation with people that they might not want to have. They might want to have, but they don't know how to have it. Um, and that's, that's tension. You're inviting people into looking at things in a new way. There is, there is a necessary tension there yeah. because you're inviting people to leave the comfort of what they've known to take a journey with you. And there's tension for you and for them. And do you trust each other? Most people skip the crucial conversations and just try to sell a mechanism. And they put the weight on the mechanism. If you just do this, if you just do this, do these things, and then you're gonna get you're gonna you're gonna get this in return. And if you want this in return, then you're gonna do all this stuff. But they don't actually have the first conversation, which is crucial, which is the who conversation. Like, who are you? Like, what do you want in your life? Yeah. And what would make you proud as a mom, as a dad, as a teammate? Like, what would make your life worth it? And are you bored? Or do you want some more excitement? Do you want, I mean, if you, if you want some excitement, go take some risks. It's going to bring some excitement to your life. You know that. I know that. Yeah. And, and it's fun. It's fun to have conversations about, you know, venturing and it get, get us out of the boredom. But most, most folks skip that conversation because it's easier just to go sell something instead of really having like a partnership where you're like advocating for someone, but you got to listen a lot more than like go present or go pitch or to your point earlier, like co coerce or manipulate. Cause if you manipulate on the front end, they're going to feel manipulated and blame you later anyway. So you might as well skip that conversation. If they didn't, if they didn't feel like they chose it for themselves, you're just going to pay in penalties and interest later. So go ahead and have the whole conversation early. And I would let everybody go. Like, if you don't want to do this, it's okay. You know, I know a part of the challenge, I mean, the part of the success metric of network marketing is how many people you get and how many people you partner with and build a team and all that. But you, you know, take it, you know, take it slowly and get the right folks in, in place. I mean, I know that's true even just for me and my work. I mean, almost all of my work, 99% of it's word of mouth. Um, and if I've kicked ass with certain people, they're going to tell everybody in their world about it. Absolutely. And that's, you know, you know, there's a handful, you know, evangelists in your own life that like you've made a big difference with, and then you can sit back because people come to you and they say, Hey, she sent, she told me about this and I want to talk to you about it. And you're already there. You're already home. And now it's just exploring with them. Yeah. I love it. I want, I want to end with this, um, coming circling back to confidence, because I think this is just when people think leadership, that is what they're like, well, I'm not confident. I don't have what it yeah. takes yet. I can't. So where do you think, do you think the confidence just comes from the courageous action? Like, where would you say, if you said confidence comes from this, like, what would that be? Well, confidence comes, let's see how to answer this. There's a, there's a few, I have a few answers. Um, where does it come from? Typically, Confidence comes from being faithful to myself, you know, really integrity with your word and your actions right on. Right. So if I'm, if I'm confident in myself, it means I can trust me. Yeah. 
And so that's part of what's going on in the background. People usually don't trust themselves because we've lied to ourselves, I don't know, our whole life, right? Like we've said things and not done it. Yeah. We've been insecure about stuff and then didn't do anything and didn't prove it wrong. We just let ourselves be insecure. And so, you know, we're pretty muddled with our own self-view. So that's the first thing is like, get real with yourself around what's going on in your life. You know, and, and what do I need to clean up? And ironically, if there's like something I've been tolerating in my life, and I actually decide to take the action to turn it around, whether it's a relationship or whatever, um, even a silly thing like the back gate that I've set, you know, that's that's broken for two years in my life. And I blah, blah, blah. It's like fixing little stuff like that is ironically an anecdote to all of your negative self-talk is like be the person that goes and get shit done yeah. or get do your crap, as we say. Um, so that's part of it is being faithful to yourself. Second is stop is think of yourself less. Hmm. This is which is a paradox, right? So first I said, think of yourself a lot and get yourself clear. And then and then then stop thinking about yourself. You know, somebody can be confident and think about themselves a lot. We call that arrogance. The people that have confidence and most people are they, they feel like they're not confident because they're they're comparing themselves to somebody else in the room and like, oh, I don't have the confidence that she has or he has or whatever. Um, but you, you, we don't think beyond that and saying, I wonder what's going on for that person that makes them seem confident to me. Yeah. And most leaders have a high level of commitment to people around them. And ironically, that looks like confidence. So if you're committed to other people, you'll feel more confident because all of a sudden, I mean, I know this is, this is the case for me. When I step into a room like this weekend, 12 people that have flown from all over the country to come be in a room. I am nervous going in. Why? I'm thinking about myself. As soon as I get in the room, I'm like, ah, good. The purpose of me being here is in these 12 seats. Yeah. And I'm all of a sudden over myself. I matter less. They matter more. Great. Oh, thank God. Good. Because if this was an ego exercise, I'd be very tired. So, you know, I can, I am more confident when I get committed to what other people are committed to. I love that. So, you know, those are a couple easy tweaks for people that are feel really because really a lack of confidence is just self-consciousness. And you we got to look. I mean, we're just thinking about ourselves all the time. So if we think of others more and think of the future more that we're committed to, we're going to have more confidence and then just a willingness to do. I mean, most confidence also looks like just a commitment to somebody. They're going to do whatever it takes. Like they're not going anywhere. Like they're really inventive about how to get something done. And they see resources outside themselves and they want to partner with other people instead of be like the Lone Ranger. And I see other people as resources instead of threats. Yeah. And if I see that, then all of a sudden I seem more confident. I just see the world as an open space for me to go play. And any problem I have, this is a mantra for me, every problem is, the solution to any problem is one conversation away. I tell myself that all the time. The solution to any problem is one conversation away. Why do I tell myself that? Because if I do, then I'm eager to talk to people about what's not working and saying, hey, this thing's broken. I don't know how to do this thing. Um, do you know how to fix it? Or do you know somebody that knows how to fix it? Do you, have, you, have you been here before? And then all of a sudden, I'm immediately more confident because I'm not alone in the world. Yeah. Other people want to be on my team if I ask them. <laughs> but I've got to be willing to like, I got to be willing to look like the fraud I'm afraid that I am in the moment because like, you know, I also say all the time, like I always need a lot more help than I want. 
if people can relate to that, like I've always got tons of needs and sometimes I just don't want the help because of the way I look or if I ever had to ask for help or blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I've got to get myself out of that mindset when it shows up. And you know, confidence is a willingness to you know, embrace that vulnerability. So like the more vulnerable you are, ironically, the more confident you are. I think that's really powerful because I think externally, when we think what confidence looks like, it looks like someone really has all their crap together. They've like got it all figured out. They're doing all the things they're leading the front They're, And what you're saying and what I know to be true is to be truly confident. It's one trusting yourself that you're willing to do whatever it takes. So you already know that whatever, whatever is in front of you, you're going to figure it out. And when you are committed to that, you can do anything. Right on. Number two, you definitely can't do it by yourself. No. So the truly confident people are that way because they know that there's a plethora of human beings that can do things better than them. And they're going to find them in order right to yeah. make happen whatever needs to be. I yeah. think a lot of people get stuck in this. I'm not confident. I'm not a leader. I'm not this because they take everything upon themselves and they think they need to do everything. They need to have all the answers. They need to have the results. They need to have the proven methods. They need to have the everything, everything, everything. And then it's like this ever fleeting, like I can't ever get there. So confidence yeah. never comes. I, this is, I love this. I love how you explain that because it, it just like made sense in my brain. Well, that's how we set it up to, to feel like, I know I'm a fraud period. I, I mean, meaning like I'm taking on more things than I know what to do. And I do that on purpose, right? I mean, and any aspiring person, ambitious person, it, that's necessary. Like I'm going to try something I've never tried before for lots of reasons, you know, either revenue reasons or influence reasons or partnership reasons or whatever. I'm going to stretch myself beyond what I've done in the past. If we've got this belief that I want to do that and then act like I know what I'm doing, that's how we set ourselves up to really feel like a fraud. And that's a challenge for folks, but we set it up that way. You know, so if we just stop setting ourselves up that way and really owned the dynamic that anytime I'm trying something new, my, my, the opportunity for failure is really high. I'm going to have to ask a whole bunch more questions. I'm going to need to like, I mean, even the whole thing, I, I, I'm with you. People usually said, you know, I'm going to have to work with other people. That's one way to look at it. And people feel like naturally I ought to be self-made. And that's part of the industrial. This is, that's part of, that's a very Western view of things like yeah. self-made is better instead of team made community made partnership made. And what if that became, I'm looking for other people to want to do what I want to do. And I want to build a team instead of I have to build a team because of incompetent. I mean, most yeah. people, that's their view. It's a silent view. It's like in the background, it's really quiet, but I ought to be able to do this on my own. And I don't know why we worship aloneness. And then we complain about being, being lonely at the top, but right. that's what we do, right? We worship aloneness. And then we look around and they're like, oh man, this is so hard. And nobody's with me. Well, you set it up that way. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell everybody, it's like, people are lonely at the top. I said, you're lonely at the top until you're not. You just got to make some new choices. Let people into your world. And, you know, see people as resources, get honest, get real with your partners, get real with your board, get real with your investors or whatever, like get real and people will be there for you. But you set the whole thing up. Yeah. I love it. 
This is all yeah. so good. This is also good. Yeah. Like leadership to me is so intriguing because there's so many freaking layers. Yeah. <laughs> it's so deep. Like, oh, it's so good. There are. And we don't talk about it enough. And that's, I mean, yeah. why, I mean, we put out that free resource on our podcast, uh, the Naked Leadership Podcast. Anybody, we, we, it's, it's naked leadership just because leadership, if done well, is really vulnerable. Yeah. And we talk, we don't, we do some interviews, uh, but really we talk about dynamics. We talk about all the life cycles of a business and what it's like to be in that and how to have difficult conversations, how to, you know, align a team, how to fire people really effectively and well and care for people, how to onboard people, you know, how to turn around a troubled employee, all the stuff that people would rather not talk, not do, not because they're busy. They say it's because they're busy. No, it's vulnerable. That's why we yeah. don't do it. And so we talk about those dynamics. So if anybody wants that free resource, go check out Naked Leadership Podcast. The Fearless Leadership one is episode 121. Yeah. Perfect. Definitely check that out, you guys. That one's, I'm going to run there after this. <laughs> awesome. To it. Um, yeah. I love this so much, Adrian. Where, where can our people find you on social? I know you have a couple podcasts, so let's give them all the, give them all the info for that. Story. Yeah. Yeah. So on social, I'm just adrian.k because nobody can say or spell my last name. You're not the first one. Um, adrian.k on social. Um, my wife and I ran a podcast for a good while called Raising the Bar. And she is, her name's Allie Webb. She's, just, uh, she's awesome. She started the dry bar um, and shark on Shark Tank. She's a stud. Awesome. Um, she's great. And so we did a podcast together, Raising the Bar. There's stuff on there. Um, if you just search for my name, I do a bunch of podcasts or the Naked Leadership Podcast, like I mentioned. Um, we've got, I was mentioning this, these trainings we do, these public trainings. There's one called the Revenant Process, which is really around self-leadership and living your word and making the impact you want to make. And what's it take to really live your word, which is, which if we live our word, we have confidence. Yeah. But what's it take to do that? And what's it take to generate results with other people? Those are the two main questions in the training. It's hyper participatory. It's not for the faint of heart. You got to really want something to come in. We vet everybody, make sure they're there for the right reasons. We've got one coming up in the beginning of, I don't know when this is going to run, but in the beginning of November, it's called, it's the, it's, if you want to find out about that, we are revenant.com. Um, that's a, it's an impactful training. I co-train it with my business partner, Dan, who's been doing this for 40 years. He's the best in the world at it. I've just tried not to mess it up. Um, so anyway, those are some places to find me, cool. some places to meet me. Um, and I'm always receptive to anybody reaching out on social or whatever. So however we can help, we're here for you. Awesome. You guys, this is an episode you're going to want to probably go back and listen to multiple times. <laughs> There's like things in here that you're going to want to unpack and then pause and take some time to digest. But this is the good stuff. Like this yeah. is so, so powerful in, Vitality. in all aspects. Yeah. Yeah. I this love is it where so life, it's, it's where life comes from for me is having these courageous conversations. I call them and the ability to have courageous conversations, which are usually when people call them like difficult conversations, if they're really just what's, what makes them difficult is we're cowards. So, but to step in and to have them, and I, I call the ability to do that vital competencies um, and be able to have those enrolling conversations, have those conflict conversations, live in the tension yeah. of inviting people into taking a risk. For me, that's what keeps me alive. So I love it. 
So thanks for having me on, Mike. I think you're amazing. Love what you're doing here. Cool. No, this was so great. I'm so glad that it worked out. Um, you guys, if you found this valuable, make sure you share it with your teammates. Make sure you share it on social. Tag Adrian, tag me. Um, we love to hear what resonates. We love to hear what mm -hmm. really spoke to you, what you got out of it. So definitely share it with us. And like I mentioned, go back and listen to this one multiple times. I can promise you, you'll get something different out of it every single time you do. And then go check out his podcast because I have a feeling it's going to be filled with so many nuggets. It's amazing. That, it's really, yeah. it's really fun. We, we take cool. our time and it's not prescriptions. It's exploration about real interpersonal, like internal dynamics that we got to master. And I so, think this is, and that's the stuff that like people aren't even aware of. That no. You're not even aware of these things. So the more you dig deep into leadership, the more you can uncover and the more you can really just grow. And it's a, it's a, it's an, ongoing journey. Like you're never going to wow. figure it out. You're never going to become a good leader. Like you just embrace leadership forever and you continue to grow and evolve. And it's like, that's fulfillment. Growth is fulfillment. So don't mm -hmm. wait for just the goal. Don't wait for just the team. Don't wait for just the income. The process is the evolution. And that's where all the fulfillment and joy and purpose and everything that you're craving right now comes from digging into this stuff. Right so on. Thank you so much for bringing awesome. this conversation to the table. Love it. Thanks, Micah. You're All awesome. All right, you guys. We'll see you back in another week. Wrapping up another episode. And I just want to thank you for sticking around. Before you head out, I would love to hear from you. It would mean the world to me if you left this podcast a quick review wherever you're listening from. And if you got some nuggets from the message today, don't forget to share it with your friends, your team, and your Instagram story so that anyone else who needs it can find it too. And be sure to tag me so that I can shout you out and share your page with my friends. Thanks for hanging. Now let's go take action on those goals and dreams because if you can feel it in your heart and see it in your head, then you can hold it in your hand. So until next time, go do your craft. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.